0: the ken crowther gardening podcast answering your gardening questions this is bbc essex
1: hello and welcome to the bbc essex gardening hour podcast which you can download for free on the bbc essex website that's bbc.co.uk slash essex i'm ken crowther and coming up on the podcast this week tom cole is my special guest as well as answering your gardening questions on all things from broad beans, powdery mildew, blueberries and lawns, we'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden. Plus, Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast.
0: The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.
1: Let's start then with this week's plant of the week, which is Mimosa, or Acacia del Is that
2: how you say it? That is super plant. Isn't it? And isn't it looking good at the moment? And isn't it smelling nice? Superb. almond-scented.
1: Almond-scented. It is quite fast-growing, though, isn't it?
2: It's a bit of a thug, I would (laughs) say. Yeah. So you've got to be prepared to cut it every now and again, because it loves to grow up high.
1: And it's not... 100% 100% hardy, is it, really, for this country?
2: No, if we get around minus 5, minus 10 for prolonged periods of time, the whole top comes off. But usually, the root system's not too bad. But, you know, you don't want that happening, do you, really? It's
1: funny, actually, because I always remember a large tree that we were maintaining... No, no, we were landscaping. We were doing some lay... landscaping in Loughton years ago, laying some paving. They had one of these in the back garden. It was about 30 foot high. And it was the harshest winter after we'd done the paving, we did the paving in the autumn, the harshest winter. And I remember going back there and <laughs> saying, "How did your mimosa do?" And you know, it was about—it was a good trunk. You know, it was—it was a big trunk, like the size of a football round, yeah. And it, it had it. Gone, mm. and I said, "Oh, don't worry." I said, "If you like, we'll cut it down to ground." Oh no, no. I said, "Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We'll cut it down to a stump, and you know that produced the most massive bush because, <laughs> of course, it grew everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does respond well. It does, doesn't you it? You just
2: got to keep wary of its height, and so lopping it from time to time is a good idea.
1: You see, a lot of them in the Mediterranean, don't you? I mean, they they put up with that sort of country, but weren't they Australasia they originated from?
2: Uh, I'm not sure actually. I, think it was I mean, you know, my, my mind is that it, it, it's a plant that likes. Protection, but it loves hot, dry,
1: and that's what it's about. Uh, it is grown easily from seed, isn't it? And you can also take cuttings, can't you? Semi ripe
2: so, cuttings, semi ripe stem cuttings, you can take. So it's pretty easy, eh? Would you have one in your garden? No. Why? Well, <laughs> garden My sma- garden's too small. I, I love the plant. It's got to be a big. I th- I've, we've got to have a medium to large size garden, bit of protection from the prevailing winds, which I have got, but I haven't got that large garden. So no, I'd use a smaller plant. So
1: they are. But this week's plant is Mimosa, Acacia Dilvaser. If you've got room, enjoy it, because those yellow flowers, oh, perfume like almonds, evergreen plant, what could be better?
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex.
1: Tom Cole's my guest today here in the studio. He's come in an interesting mix of colour. Bright orange and black with your Rittle University College top on. Very smart.
2: Well, oh, you know, it's the uniform. And, of course, the suntan from yesterday. That was glorious yesterday. It really is. It's was. like a distant memory now,
1: isn't it? <laughs> it is with snow on the ground, but we won't get too much worked up about it. Will we, Jean, in Chelmsford? We won't get too worked up about the snow, will we?
3: No, I don't get worked up about it. I, I just don't like it. <laughs>
1: Do you know it's like a it's like a thermal blanket snow to the ground isn't it? It holds yeah, the heat in.
3: It's, it's nice if it comes down, stays there and the roads all clear and you can get out and about, but um not what we've had two weeks ago.
1: No. Well, so what would you like to ask us?
3: Well, what it is, two weeks ago my daffodils weren't in flower. They are now. Now, I knock snow off all my shrubs, as per your advice, but what should I do about the daffodils? Because they're all weighed down with snow. Can I knock those or am I going to do more damage to the daffodils? <laughs> well, not-
2: I, I reckon you do more harm, don't you, I, Tom? Yeah, I think you will. I think you accidentally might sort of knock flower heads off or break leaves. I would leave well alone. They do stand up. Unless they well, They're very hardy plants. The only,
1: the only problem is if it's very wet snow and you get it on the total bloom, you and can it, snap a stem, can't you?
2: You can do. I mean... Personally, I'd probably leave it at the moment, but if it was heavy, heavy snow on your shrubs, yes, I would probably knock those off. Yep, knock it yes, off.
3: Because cause this is wetter snow than two weeks ago. Being oh, it out is. Two weeks, you couldn't make a snowball. You can make a snowball with this one.
2: Yeah, this
1: this stuff's rubbish today, isn't it? Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> no good for children, is it? No good for children, is it?
3: <laughs> no. I'll I, I leave it on the daffodils and hope the four inches they forecast for later doesn't come.
1: yeah we all hope that yeah i mean it it is interesting and i I was saying to ray on his program i was just saying that you know when you're a gardener you just think well it's weather let's deal Mm. with it when it comes and i think that's that's what we should do a bit more of rather than Mm. looking for problems all the way along but anyway let's hope it doesn't just as you say wrong sort of snow again you see (laughs) Wrong sort of snow. It's either The the railway always say that, don't they? Wrong sort of snow. Can't run the railway. But we won't go into that, will we? Because we're talking gardening, aren't we? Isn't that right, Jean?
3: Yes, it is. And uh, you take what comes and there's not much you can do about it. But can I ask a supplementary
1: question? Of course you can, Jean, yes.
3: Right. I want to cut the grass. Yes. Now, I've got worm cast all over the grass. OK. And I read somewhere or heard that you wait till it's dry and then you can brush the worm cast off. Now, how, if it never <laughs> gets dry, how am I going to cut the grass?
1: I like, I like it. I like it. It's, it. it's true. That is what it says in the books, Absolutely doesn't it? Absolutely true, yes. So how do you get rid of them? You know how I get rid of them. Call Bees and broom and they flick off even when they're wet.
2: Yeah, or, or a stiff broom on the edge does the same if you haven't got a bez and broom. Um, just as long as you can scatter them, but I, I can I can hear what you're saying if it's very yes. wet you end up smearing them across the lawn, don't you Yes
3: uh, so for, they, I think they're so wety even a broom of any sort and it's just not going to yeah. move it at the moment. Yeah.
2: But even they if it's to, if it's too wet you're not going to want to go on there anyway. Mm.
3: So so they they will go off when they're damp, will they
1: They can you flick them off but you can't you've got to be careful you can't it's not
2: so much brushing, it's flicking. Yeah. Should have done it yesterday.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know our guys were out mowing yesterday, as lots of other people were, so it was a lovely day for mowing yesterday. All right, then? Yeah,
4: yeah. OK, thank you. Gene.
1: best Thanks. of luck, and look, at, I look. I'm sure you're looking forward to many more daffodils. We've got an interesting question here from Alan, haven't we, Alan? Uh,
5: yeah, I think they're interesting. Um, I've got some peanuts uh, uncooked. Can I grow them, or am I wasting my time?
1: <laughs> I'm looking at, it's actually funny because Tom's, Tom's uh, doing a creased up face as if I don't really know the answer, I think. If because... they're in the
2: shells, I think you can. If they're loose in a bag, I think they might be processed. Yeah, slightly, because so. in, in, in the old
1: days, I can remember, Thompson and Morgan were always famous for novelty plants. I don't know whether you, if you think back. They don't do it so much today. They do things that are really going to be wow, which they've got one for this year. But in the past, they had great novelties. They used to grow. Do you remember the walking stick cabbages was an oh, example yes, yeah, of one. Yeah. And I can remember when they did peanuts, and they used to sell peanuts in a bag to grow your own peanuts. And I actually. Did you try from them? From my recol, no, I never tried them. But from my recollection, they would just look like uncooked peanuts.
2: Yeah, they got the, they've got the, uh, it's a, it's a, the sea coat is still on. They're still intact, and you can actually sow them. And they're a legume, so they're from the pea bean So, family. how would
1: you, would you soak them? Would you do anything no, with you don't them? don't need Tom? to. You
2: just push them into the compost, into into your pot. So, if you're extracting them from the casings, it's got a very sort of corrugate, corrugated. Do you take type. it out the casing? Yeah, take out the casing and then use them. So. It, they've got to be unprocessed, nut, no, uh, not well, unprocessed uh, peanuts. Alan,
1: yes. We've got till twelve o'clock. Has anybody else? I mean, you've got some other questions, I think, but yes. has has anybody else grown peanuts from peanuts as Alan is describing? If you have. Successfully going peanuts on your windowsill or in your greenhouse. Give us a call now, 0300 200 40 That's 0300 200 40 You can ring with any other questions as well. It doesn't have to be about peanuts. But anyway, let's...
5: let's uh, uh, go back to what you said about T&M, um, I bought some tom tates last year. Yeah. Potatoes at the bottom and tomatoes on yeah. the top. What
1: did you think of them?
5: Um, the tomatoes were lovely. They loads and loads of uh, small ones, but they yeah. only got four potatoes per plant underneath. And the only thing I found with those, you couldn't dig them up, the potatoes, until all the tomatoes had gone.
1: That's back. right. It, it, you have actually got to wait till your tomato crop's finished and then pull the thing out of the pot and harvest the potatoes, haven't you?
5: Yeah, that's right, I, yeah.
1: I suppose, yes, if Moving you're... On. Um, you're, no, you're right, though. That was, that was possibly a novelty and still is, but yes. it's an interesting mix. Well, yes, what's your next question for us, uh, Alan?
5: I saw um, uh, the A to Z of Gardening on BBC Two a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about grafting apples to apples Oh, yep. Would I graft apples to pears or apples to figs? Or... <coughs> no, it's... D-
2: different families. Although, uh, no, well, pa- pa- apples and pears are in the same family, but, but they're, they too, they're too distant genetically. So it's, it's always got to be apples and apples. See, these university boys, yeah. they're very precise. They're too, too distant. And in fact, pears and pears doesn't quite work, actually. It's got, it's got a, quite a weak root system, so they use quince as the root stock. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. But you could do apple to
1: apple if you wanted to.
5: Yeah, I'm going to have a go, yeah.
1: Yeah, did you did you take? No, I take it. Have you recorded that so that you can look back yeah, on how did, to do it.
5: it? Yeah, and so in I fact, go back on it, see what they said exactly, and then try it when the weather brightens up a little.
1: Right, give it uh, a go. Can you let us know? Well, actually, have you got another question?
5: Yeah, um, air frost and ground frost. What's the difference?
1: Right, ground frost and air frost. Well, to my knowledge, a ground frost is less harmful than an air frost. Am I right, Tom? Is that what you believe? A ground frost, to my knowledge, is one that is a it is a higher temperature than a than an air frost because an air frost will do a lot of damage to fruit, won't it? Whereas uh, a ground frost will not necessarily.
2: Well, it can, it can, it could if it was a shallow-rooted, fibrous-rooted yes. plant. Yeah. Um So that would actually cause uh, more. Sh- yeah, the air, air frost would actually give you it's a lower issues tem- with flowering and yeah. leaf.
1: It's a lower temperature, isn't it? It's a lower temperature. That's what I I understand about it anyway.
2: Oh, right. OK, I just
5: wondered. You know, they they say you can have an air frost tonight or a brown frost, and I wonder what the difference. Right, uh,
1: stay there, Uh, there, Alan. Stay uh, there on at the moment, because um, Rosemary in Thorpe Bay. What's this about peanuts, Rosemary?
6: Well, a neighbour of mine has for years been putting peanuts in shells out to feed the birds, particularly the jays, she says. And we have squirrels around here, grey squirrels. And we have grey squirrels taking the peanuts from her bird feeder and burying them in our lawn, in our back garden, in flower pots, everywhere. And the peanuts do germinate and grow. <laughs>
7: Brilliant. <laughs>
5: what do you think of that, Alan, eh? Yeah, that sounds a good idea.
6: <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, because we get um, peanut trees, well, little peanut bushes all over the lawn, um, in flower beds in flower pots. So, but they do germinate. This is what I just wanted to say, that you don't have to do anything with them, as far as I'm aware.
1: Just... No, because they're putting them in with the shells, aren't they?
6: They are. They are. Yeah.
1: Rosemary in Thorpe Bay. You've, I think you've helped Alan a lot, don't you, Alan? Oh, I
5: think she has, yeah, very much so.
6: I don't grow them for the crop. As soon as I see the little plants come up, I do try and dig them out. But, I mean, you know, the peanuts have split under the ground and germinated, and there's about a six-inch little plant growing
1: from it. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Rosemary, thank you very much. Did you have any other questions, or was it just Uh, to tell
5: us... I've got a failure. I bought 14 narines and only 5 flowered. Uh, Most of the others all just uh, shriveled up and died off. And I bought 12 sweet potato slips, and I had nothing at all come from all 12 of them.
1: Well, don't tell us where they came from, but the, the thing that I would definitely do is write back to the supplier.
5: Yeah, OK. Definitely I've, write I've, back to the Actually, I've drafted the letter. I'm just, um, you know, wondering when to post it. Well, you
1: need, needn't quote Ken Crowther said so, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no,
5: right, you, <laughs>
1: no, you should always do that, Alan. And let's know how you get on with your peanuts. I'd be pleased to hear.
5: OK? Oh, well, indeed. Well, thanks for the information.
1: Thank you, Alan. And, uh, Rosemary, you still there? I am yes. Well, thank thank you very much for that because it, this is what gardening is about and gardening programmes are about here on BBC Essex. It's actually talking about all the different aspects and what helps one person helps another and doesn't help somebody else. I mean, you you find them a pest, but whereas he will find it's you know it works and therefore it's
6: he's. An up- it's a great interest, isn't it? Yeah, it,
1: it is. Okay, all right then, Rosemary.
6: Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you
1: very much for your call. There, that's Rosemary in Thorpe Bay, uh, giving us uh, giving us a a call there about her peanuts. Has anybody grown peanuts indoors? That's what I want to know. Don't we? We want to know whether they've grown them indoors and how they grow. That would be really good.
0: Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex.
1: Back to your gardening questions in a moment. But right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast,
2: we've got some top tips on things you could be
1: getting on with in the garden this week.
2: Tom, what do you up for us? Well, this is a great time of year. Before everything bursts into growth, if you've got any of those coloured stems, things like the willows, the dogwoods, poplars, even the ornamental blackberry, uh, now oh. is a great time to prune them hard to keep the young growth, lovely and vibrant.
1: Those ornamental blackberries, you've got some of those over at Rittle University College, haven't you, there? We have Rubus Cobernus. Isn't but they're sort of they're a funny stem, aren't they? are sort of white. You could think they had mildew on them
2: Well it, it, you? it looks like it's, a, it's a white pubescence on the on the yeah, stem. It is, so isn't it? it then you've got this little red undertone coming through. Vicious little things they are really. Oh, you want terrible. to set them at the back of a border. Horrible. Where, whereas we've got them in a lovely border, which you can walk right up close to. <laughs> And, of course, we mustn't forget that the willows over
1: there as well, that you've trained into, like, loops and hearts and all sorts of things. We have,
2: and actually, we've been pruning those. So, basically, you take back all of the growth that was produced last year and you cut it to just in front of the old stump or the crown it's growing from. And it's as easy as that. And then you can actually do whatever you like with those prunings because we do a lot of weaving and willow weaving and we use them for, for tripods or supports or, you know, to keep, keep those perennials off the grass verges. So it's quite a... We, we're recycling.
1: Recycling. But yeah. I must say that, you know, it's a reminder of people um, that are looking for winter stem colour because as you drive past the college there... You know, you seriously can see the bright stems, and I mean that's driving at a distance.
2: It is, and they, they've really stood out with the snow as well. So you get oranges, yellows, reds, scarlets coming through, so it's yeah, it's quite striking. It is. So, what's your what's your other one then? Well, sort of on the same theme, mm-hmm. I've kept the prunings of from the willow and the dogwood, and you can actually take cuttings. So you're you're looking for wood which is about pencil thickness. Uh, it's around about the length of a pair of secateurs, maybe a little bit longer, sort of 20-odd centimetres. What you do is you work back from the end of the limb, uh, the youngest part, and once you get more resistance, you cut just above a bud, and then you measure down around about 20 centimetres to another bud, and you do a nice flat cut just below it. And you can literally push those into the ground by two-thirds, you don't even need to use rooting hormone powder or liquid. You can push it in, even around the plants you just pruned from. And by the autumn, they've all rooted. Carefully take them up, pop them up, put them somewhere else.
1: Is there anything else you can take cuttings of similar sort of material at this time of the year?
2: Uh, for Well, there's, there's, there's the willow, there's the dogwood, there's poplar, there's things like uh, elderberry, buddleia, the butterfly bush... And then you can do some evergreens as well. So holly, uh, things like photinia, the red robin you can do. So you can do them as evergreen hardwood cuttings.
1: Plenty to get on with. Thank you, Tom. And we'll have some more tips for you later on in the podcast.
0: Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex.
1: We'll be going to Colin in just a moment, and uh, you just had something to comment. You just followed up with it was
2: uh, well, it's worth checking on different types of frosts. Yes, and we had a question about difference between ground, ground and air. frost is. Well, ground frost is where you get a formation of ice on the ground or objects like trees. So, in other words, it's below Ooh. freezing point. Yep, the surface has temperature below the freezing point of water. Yep, an air frost uh, is where the air temperature falls to or below the freezing point of water. So it's a couple of degrees less. Yeah. And it's di- and it's measured at at least one meter above the ground so what i said was
1: pretty well we right right let's go back to the <coughs> phones and go to colin in harwich hello colin
8: oh hi there ken very hi. good morning to you and tom there uh i've got two questions one's a bit tongue-in-cheek and made me titter the other day uh it's st patrick's day today Yep. And I, I heard of, yeah, <laughs> sure, according, according to Google it is.
1: Right, let's go there. What would you like to know then?
8: Well, apparently on St. Patrick's Day is the right day for planting peas. And it's best done in pyjamas. This is my first question. Right. So, so when I'm planting my peas in my pyjamas. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking to myself, now has Ken ever done this? Or has he ever heard of this?
2: No. Both Have you, not. Tom? No, I haven't. I wish I had. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, what I'd like to know, Colin, I'd like to see that you definitely do this. Photos,
2: please. Today, <laughs> just,
1: yeah, photos as well. But um, brush the any snow off the ground, plant them uh-huh. in your pyjamas, and then can you yes. keep us updated whether the crop is so much better?
8: Oh, I will do. Yes. Oh, yes. Great. <laughs> What's next? Well, down to yeah, down to a more serious note, uh, I, I had a nice wander out yesterday in the garden, done a full inspection, um, and I noticed the grass, which I seeded in October last year, is coming really good. It's had one cut already, it needs another. Good. But there's lots, there's quite a lot of weeds in them, you know, new weeds. And I'm wondering, and, and I was thinking about this, I really must ask Ken when to tackle it and what to t- it with
2: if when it's I, a, when I need to, tom
1: uh, am i right freshly seeded lawns i don't think you can use there any, is nothing at this moment no you can't you can, use a
2: chemical uh at all to uh select out those weeds what you'll need to do is hand weed or weed, regular cutting or regular yeah regular cutting will help keep some of those down but hand weeding as well in weather that's not quite like this so um, no. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> it's usually for the first six, yeah. first six months of a newly sown lawn That's that right. you cannot so you cannot use any chemical product. Okay, right, yeah, because it was October when I when I'd I still sit. Thing, I'd so sit so tight I'd until
1: bit... um, you could try. You could use it possibly late summer. Yeah.
2: In the autumn, late summer. Yeah, yeah. right. So oh, okay. I'm to and we... when I say no product, I mean, I mean, I'm meaning the the, uh, the weed killer we type. I mean, feeding yeah. and weeding. Sorry, sorry feeding, feeding products. is fine. That's okay. All right. Right. Colin? Oh, I'm so glad I phoned you about that because
8: I was going to rush out and
2: no. buy something
1: and throw don't it over risk, the top. Don't risk it. Have a go though with the peas and keep us in touch on that, Colin. Will you? Yes. And a happy Saint <laughs> Patrick's day, day to you as well. Oh, to be sure. Thank you very much, that's Colin. We go to Holland on Sea. I see we're nipping down the coast, aren't we? Nipping down the coast, aren't we, Derek? Yeah, that's where we are. Right, what would you like to know, Derek?
9: We've got a camellia, looking not bad, about four or five feet high, and all the leaves are covered with what looks like soot, black, bit sticky soot, been there since last year. Uh, we're wondering what it is. Is it an aphid or some sort of germ, or what
2: is it, do you know? <laughs> Right. Right. What you've got there is sooty mould, so that's the black coating and the black coating is there because something is or has been attacking the plant. Um, so f- for me what I would do is probably check underneath the leaves and look at the stems, can you see anything? Um, things like little limpets or scale, oh, yeah. uh, because that, that what it's doing is eating and extracting the sap from the plant but it's excreting all over your plant. And in the air, you've got lots of sooty mould spores and they just come in and find that sugary substance and they start feeding on that. It is not a killer in itself, but if it's very, very dark, it can actually stop the plant from making its own food in a very efficient way. So you can clean it off. You can use uh, some of those uh, sort of detergent type sprays you can get from your garden centers and you can wipe off. You can use lukewarm water and wipe it off with a cloth. But I think look to see if the pest is still there, because if it's there, then you could use things like um, some of the Provado-based products yep. when it's coming into more active growth. Um, so yeah. but, bug, bug kill ultra. But that, that would be good and direct it all over the plant and underneath the leaf. Now, it's in bud, probably. So try and avoid getting those sprays on the flower buds. OK,
1: oh,
9: that ain't gonna be, I'll try that then.
1: Okay, is that nice. And keep 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 going on it, Derek. That's Derek and Holland on sea, and we come back in land just a little way. But well, Thundersley, yeah, we we nip down to Thundersley, don't we, uh, to talk to
7: Sid. Hello, Sid. Morning, Ken and Tom. Um, just a couple of questions, if that's all right. Certainly. Um, I've got some fatinia, or I believe it's red robin, in four foot high in pots. They're quite leggy, yeah. And I want to cut them back a bit, but I want to use them for for cuttings and grow them. Okay. Uh, uh, now the tip ends seem to come out. Uh, uh, would you describe it as fronds or something? There's about four or five. Oh, little,
1: little clusters of them. Clusters of yeah. flower that could be, could it? No, there's shoots. The shoots all come out of oh, the cluster. Oh, I see the shoot come. Yep, I know what you mean. Yep.
2: Can so, I use those tip ends for cuttings? Well, to be quite honest, the, no. the right the, the best sort of cutting to do on that and any other shrub is a cutting called a semi ripe stem cutting, and it's yeah. better done a little bit later on in the season. Really, like, June done, time. Well, May June onwards, yeah. all the way through the summer till about September time, and in fact, pruning your photinia if you're just shaping it, then. It's it's too early, really. Uh best to yep. do that more as you're coming into the May. And your pruning will trigger brand new growth. And once that yep. growth is around about a month old, then you could use that for your cutting material.
7: Ah, uh, only I mean, I did um laurel last year and I was very pleased. Uh did a lot of plants and uh I had about 95% success with cuttings with that, but I believe that's probably a lot simpler than the red robin. Well,
2: it'll be the same technique, really. It's similar, isn't it? Move it along the season a little bit more. Do it really when it's Mm. actively growing. Um, But use the same technique that you used for the laurel. I see. Oh, well, that'll be good. Only I, I... did try a, a, one last
7: year, and it, I only put one in a pot, and that that actually died, and I thought, I oh, it wasn't right. really too good with that.
2: No, worth worth trying. And, do, and actually do, uh, if you've got a pot that's like a 10 or 14 centimetre pot, then put around about seven yeah. or eight cuttings in there. Put the yeah. whole thing into a plastic bag or a propagator and unit, go. and uh, within six to seven or so weeks... If you've used some hormone powder or liquid on the base of the cutting, it should root. And really,
1: with a fertinia, you know, people love to prune things at this time of year, but it's lovely to enjoy that Mm -hmm. bright red foliage, isn't it, at this time of year? But
2: also, if you do light pruning at this time of the year, and we get the lovely sunny weather we had, it triggers the growth. Then we get a drop in temperature, and then we get lovely brown marks all over our plants. So Um, the only sort of harder prune... If I'm doing regenerative pruning which is really cutting it quite hard i'll do that at this time of the year but if it's if it's shaping and trimming evergreens it's on. more may time onwards okay
7: yeah with the laurel last uh, last year i actually used the clear plastic 45 liter uh, cases sta- uh, packing cases and uh, i Good didn't idea. put any holes in the bottom and just put gravel under the and i grew them singly in pots and very successfully, uh, uh, very good, success, good. Uh, I was good very tip. successful with that. But uh, anyway, now the other thing—I mustn't keep you all day. Uh, Western red cedar. Yeah. My son bought uh, half a dozen in pots, so three foot high, um, and uh, quite bushy. Yep. And they were a little bit of a brownish tinge about them when I got them, so I put them in bigger pots. And they're still remaining the same with this brownish tinge. Good. looks like they're a long time dying to me,
2: but I don't know uh, red, any way of altering.
1: Red cedar does go brownish in winter, doesn't it
2: No not not is it not well, is, it depends it, on the brown is it crinkly brown a, a what brown
1: is it crinkly brown when you touch them can you yeah. can you
7: does it break
1: up I leaf? haven't
7: tried that. Um, I'll I'll
2: find out if it is or not. You sometimes I... get
1: browning in winter, don't you, on conifer? Yeah, you get extreme temperature. You get a it? sort of
2: bronzing occurring yeah, bronzing. on the part. If you get bronzing on the tips and odd areas of growth, that that could be a winter colour. Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily a problem. If it's browning from the tip down, that, is uh, a problem. That, that could be a fungal problem. If it's if it's going all over browning on the edges, it's it might be something like a stem or a crown rot. Yeah. Um, so I think just monitor it for the moment. But you do get some colours on those conifers. Yeah. Um, so you get this sort of coppery colour. You can get it on yew trees as well. If it's a young yew tree, yeah. you can so, get this sort of so, coppery.
1: Sooyers do it. A yeah. lot of conifers
2: <clears throat> do do this. Yeah. So I think can I just monitor everything? it. Monitor it for the moment. I think what I would probably do, they're they're still in pots, are they? Yes. Uh, What you could do is liquid feed them. uh, When when the weather... Yeah, when it warms up a little bit more, I mean, uh, more towards the end of this month, use a liquid feed, something like, um, oh, I know what I would use. It's definitely something like MaxiCrop, brilliant brilliant fertiliser. Good seaweed one. Good seaweed-based product.
1: Moving on to Peter in Chelmsford. Hello, Peter.
10: Yes, good morning. Um, The last two seasons I've had trouble with my leeks. Now, I've heard of a thing called leek moss. Do you think that's what it is?
1: Leek moss gives this little, like a worm? Yes, little brown. Little brown worm? Well, worm, it's smaller than a worm, isn't it? But it's a worm-like uh, thing that eats away at the bases. Is that what you're getting?
10: No, no, it's actually in the, uh, in the leek itself. And I notice a little, oh, it's not much more than two millimetres long. It looks like a very small chrysalis.
2: Yeah no that's no, that that, that, that's, yes, leek, that's, yes. that's 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 moth grub and actually it sits in the stem of the plants and so as you right. unravel the leaves you see little pitted areas of brown and the grub is there it yes. was rife last year uh, well, it was I everywhere what can do about it this year well, it's 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 new seed, new stock. It's uh, things clean are, clean area of ground. Yeah, clean area of any debris, any plants left in, and try and plant in another area. Yeah, um, it's good rotation, really, where you, where you possibly can.
10: When, um, you think, when do you think the uh, infestation occurs? What sort of time of year?
2: Well, that was occurring uh, mid to late summer. Oh no 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 no! no late early. summer, autumn. That's good. You're of it's 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 it.
1: End of the year, isn't it? So one. it's
2: so the pest is around actually early summer. So it's so, a flying pest, is it? The moth is, and it lays yeah. an, egg, an egg stage you could which put, uh, oh, leeks, leeks, oh, yeah. you, could, you
1: could actually put EnviroMesh over your lake. Leaks, lakes, leaks. You could actually. Yeah.
2: An insect protectant like, uh, screen. Like you would do for carrot fly. Yeah, so I'd put that. I put that in late summer.
10: Put that No, on late no, summer you need it. Warrior. No,
2: early summer. I would put it out as soon as you plant them. I would,
1: and keep it okay. over them.
10: Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I hope, hope for more luck this year because the last two years have been bad.
1: Yeah. Very bad indeed. Yeah. Okay then Peter, let us know how you get on if you try that and then we can pass that on to other people.
10: Yep. Okay, thanks ever so much.
1: Thank it's you curious. very Thank much. You. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Um let's now go to John in Brentwood. Hello, John. Morning, Ken and Tom is it? Yep. Morning. What you got for us today?
11: Two things today. Um I heard you last week talking about uh, looking after rhododendrons and you said about the pruning and they needed lots of water but I didn't hear you mention anything about putting I don't know whether I got this right but sequestral copper down
1: no I know I know what you mean. What I was talking about is somebody sent me a picture of a rhododendron. It was very old. It had... You know how their leaves, when they're not happy, they, they face down, Tom? Yeah. yeah. It was a very large bush, about six foot high. And the question was, is it dying or can I do anything with it? And I said... Try and encourage it into growth. It looks as if it's suffered with dryness. It's not happy. It needs a damn good feed. It needs a good water. And yes, I would prune it into shape a bit because it had like dead bits with then a bit of leaf on the end. So uh, we were talking about giving it a good sequestered iron feed. Iron, that's
5: it, yeah,
11: iron.
1: right. You can give them also sulfur chips. That helps as well. That's another one that you can use on them. You just throw them underneath and then fork them in lightly.
2: That helps as well. You
1: can get that from a...
2: a you should a, get that from a garden centre. Any good I garden centre, you can get those Sulfur chips. Sulfur, <coughs> sulfur chips actually help um, acidify the soil. Yeah. And when the soil is more acidic, then the nutrient iron is it's more free. available. Um, so you do you can do that in combination, really. Sequestered iron as a liquid feed is the quickest way of getting it into the plant. Okay. Ooh, does that help yeah. you, John?
11: Yeah. Right. The last thing is we were talking about... Um, I'll bring it up again. I'm realist. Yep do you remember I said I had one with I was going to split up? Yes. And you said to me, well, tell us how you carry on with it. Yeah. I split it up a couple of days after we spoke. Uh Uh-huh. And I've now got five uh, well on the way. Three of them have got probably five-inch leaves on them and the other two are following. Brilliant. So I've got five out of that one. Excellent. And that's 20-odd years old now. Goodness
1: me, that's good. That's excellent. Yeah. Keep us in touch. Let us know if the, if you get buds later on in the season or anything out of any of them because they do take some time to produce bud, John. Ah, but let right. keep, keep us in touch. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Good to hear from John in Brentwood, and we go to Tony in Great Clacton. Hello, Tony. Hi there. Can
12: have you got jazz bin?
1: Hang on. Have you got a radio on? Oh, I will turn it down.
12: I'll turn
1: yes. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, Done. Right. You've got, you're talking about jasmine. Is it an indoor or an outdoor jasmine, uh, Tony?
12: Yes, outdoor jasmine. I've got about five along the fence, and they're all in pots in John and his number three, and the pots are about uh, 15 inches across, and the one right at the very end has died completely. It started going brown about three months ago, and now it's they're all starting to die. Is there like a
2: jasmine blight or something? There isn't, but I'm a little worried on the pot size. I Is think the pot the pot's a bit too small for me. Um, I, I would definitely put them into a much larger uh, pot, uh, something like uh, two foot by two foot. All right, OK. Uh, same compost. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the ones you've got remaining in your garden, once you've done that... Uh, you can actually do a nice prune towards the... F- Is it up a fence they're growing? Yes. So you can prune them back towards the fence as well because that promotes lots and lots of new growth and they all flower on new growth. Mm. Um, but the one, the one, the reason why your one died, it could be because... Well, it could be lack of water. It could be too much water. But there isn't a disease no. that's running through. You haven't got to worry about that side.
12: Oh, okay. So if I just repot them and oh my god can you hear him <laughs> yeah we can <laughs> <laughs> he's a jack russell that thinks he's a rottweiler um yeah so just repot them and prune them back so sort of how much because they, it looks totally dead from here and i'm not going out cause it's right i'm
2: gonna i'm gonna guess let's say they're four foot tall or five foot tall and they've come out from the fence a couple of foot just mm-hmm. review reduce them by a foot towards right. the fence and you
1: can do it with shears isn't yeah
2: you? She- oh, we do you- use shears or secateurs and that oh, one that's dying true. off just double check scrape the back of the stem at the base if it's green it's, it's still it's alive
12: true. I mean they're only young I only put them in last year so yeah. they're only about three three foot high yeah. they'll,
1: they'll be fine but it's just really the pots are a bit tight it's for small, them aren't they yeah ok
0: the Ken Crowther gardening podcast answering your gardening questions this is BBC Essex
1: Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Tom have got some more tips for you. Now, I'm going to start off here, Tom, with honeysuckles. Now, I, we often forget honeysuckles, don't we? We let them and they sort of bush out and they get thicker, 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 and we just leave them and they're very untidy. I like to hack them back this time. Do you think hack Good or old prude? technical
2: term. Yeah, hack, you like no, that? No, I dude? like the word hack.
1: <laughs> because you really do, because <laughs> they do get very out of um, shape, don't they? And at this time of year... As soon as we get some nice warm weather again, they'll be off, won't they? So I think you can be fairly ruthless with them and cut them fairly hard back. And then um, ivy's the same. Ivy's another one that actually gets out of hand, and I think it's a good time to cut those back. But it's a reminder that before we get all this growth, we should be checking trellises, that they're fixed and not damaged, and then rewiring areas as well if you're using wires. So it's a good time to get on with all that sort of thing. And... um, we have we get a bit of snow and i suppose just i'm going to fit this in as well because if you've got conifers if you've got wet snow it's worth going around with a little stick and knocking it off isn't it tom
2: absolutely and also if it's laying on top of a hedge yeah if, you le- if it's left too long it crushes mm. the shoot so just tap the plant and it shakes the snow off and there's no real harm
1: mm. what else you got for
2: us? Well, I'm going inside. Are you? You're hiding inside. That's because I mentioned snow, wasn't it? (laughs) So for me, this is a good time to start, well, we've kept on inspecting over the winter months, but now is a good time to sort check all those tender plants that you've tried to look after over the winter and get them ready for summer by potting up and cutting down. So things like fuchsias, pelagoniums, heliotrope. All of those, they're probably not looking wonderful at the moment. It's
1: not pretty awful at this time of year, don't they?
2: But they're great for potting up. So I go to the next size up, use a similar type of potting compost, and then I will basically almost raise the plant to the ground, cut it quite hard, in the hope I get lots of new growth. So I've got now a nice stock plant, which is going to be a big plant for the summer, but I can also take cuttings from that around April, May time. And they in turn will also give me flowers and a good-sized plant. So they are. Keep
1: listening to the podcast as there's still more hints and tips to come.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex.
1: Let's talk to Keith in Colchester. Hello,
9: Keith. Hello, hello. Uh, what I've got, I've got a lovely red robin. It's about two and a half years old. It's about four foot six. All, it looks absolutely beautiful, but the leaves are all going black on the top and red underneath. And I didn't know what I should be buying for it.
2: And this is all over the plant.
9: All over the plant. And, and they,
2: when, when you say they're going black, are they are they spotty first? Yes. Ah, and for tinea spot. Yeah, so is, well, so it? where uh, just describe where they're growing in your garden.
9: Ah, uh, uh, by my. Fence and by my shed so, next to uh, uh, some other plants, but the s- other plants look fine. But uh, that you know, this has suddenly gone this colour.
2: So, would you say then that the, the, it's a very sheltered site they're in? Yes. And the soil they're growing in—is it heavy clay or not so heavy?
9: Well, that's, no. I'm, I'm very lucky. It, it's rather sandy where oh. I am, and uh, like I said, it's not dry. too bad. But I didn't put any fertiliser in when I put the plant
2: in. Well, That, that wouldn't cause any colour change or anything. I mean, it, we, we're hoping we get, some all the new growth should be going red, uh, but where you get spotting, it's one of two things it could be. One, it could be a fungal disease, right. but often, nine times out of 10, it's not fungal, it's more physiological, yeah. uh, and usually, <laughs> that's why I was asking you about where it was and the soil is in, usually when it's in the slightly exposed area, or there's been erratic changes in temperature or dry, it's wetter wet. wetter soil or very dry, dry soil, you then get this spotting. So maybe uh, your soil if you're saying it's very dry and crumb yes, maybe more organic there, matter yes. I think you need to put into the soil. And then right. mulch it. Yeah. Right. But it would benefit from a feed at the end of this month, a good general purpose feed. Right, I would never help.
9: feed them. I never feed my plants. Yeah. I'm dreadful. I just let them
2: Well carry if you're on, on a drying, but... sandier soil, it's it losing nutrition really, really easily. So always, always put a really good thick layer of compost as a mulch on the la- on the soil, something like four inches.
9: Yeah. Because uh, I know there's one within a hundred yards where I live, and it's huge. They've got a massive, yeah. and that's what made us go and buy one. That's such a beautiful plant. Well, I would try I that.
2: Got... I would try it because it, this yours could look like that as well if you do those sort of tasks.
9: Right, I will absolutely try that. Thank you very very. That's much. okay. Very kind of you.
1: Okay, that's, yes, thank, uh, that's you. thank you. That's Keith from Colchester. Now we had um, an email in from Jane Lester a few weeks ago. You re- recommended a. Um, a patio cleaner, but I was driving at the time and was unable to write it down. Please, can you tell me what it was? And I can try it to save me from slipping in the garden again. I seem to remember you just watered it onto the patio and let it do its work. Please retire reply via email, because email, I don't always listen. You don't always listen, Jane Lester in Basildon. Oh, I wouldn't tell her. <laughs> Let's face it. There's the podcast.
2: There's the iPlayer. You can always listen. So with this patio cleaner, do we have to wash it off eventually?
1: <clears throat> right. OK. Patio Patio Magic, you don't. You can just uh, brush it or pour it on and brush it in, and you don't. However, if you want to get rid of the black marks, there's one called Black Spot Remover, which I've recently come across. And, uh, of course, the black spots are actually lic- lichen, aren't they? Or lichen.
2: Uh, yes, yeah. Which
1: attach itself, and, of course, you can't get rid of that very easily. You can't even get rid of that with a, a, with a with a jet washer. It won't nice. come off, because it's actually ingrained into the into the concrete or the paving. So this other one called black spot remover, you put that on. <clears throat> However, you have to take it off. You wash it off with a power jet washer, and it comes up like new. But... The surface water will not harm your plants.
2: Uh, but the patio magic, we don't have to do that.
1: You don't, you just leave them. I'm but asking... That, the patio magic doesn't always get rid of the black spots. Because
2: I'm asking, because that's what I did yesterday. I clean the whole of my patio, and I now need to scrub Has the Has it got black spots? No black spots, but it just needs to be That's cleansed. as that.
1: And I hope that helps you, Jane Lester. Um, and I hope I'm going to send you a note saying, listen to the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to be cheeky there. Don't forget that number to call is 0300 200 40 41. 8133 is the number for the text. And you just pop Essex on the front, of the text number, 8133. Thank you, Jane Lester, for your email. And we got Pat Hull asking about roses in pots, which um, <clears throat> I'll deal with as well. So that oh I know that yes, we'll deal with that one as well. But before that, Christine in Benfleet has been waiting a little while on the phones on O three hundred two hundred forty forty one. Christine from Benfleet, hello.
2: hello.
13: Hello there. Um just asking about we've we've got a, a lilac bush in the garden. It's about nine, ten feet tall. And I mean for a couple of weeks of the year we enjoy it, it's blossoms are lovely. We're thinking about perhaps planting um, a rose to climb through it, thinking about American Pillar to climb through it. Now, would you think that was a good idea or not a very good idea?
2: I think it's a brilliant idea. I'm always oh, trying to get people to put roses up. Uh, large shrubs, smallish trees. It yes. just extends the, the season. Went, trips. Don't you? Yeah, but American Pillar. No, it's not too... That would be perfect. Yeah.
1: A uh, rambling rector's a bit of another oh, yeah, one. don't That's a go, bit a sub, yeah. rambling
2: one. rector, kifskate are a no-no. No, do not put those. Yeah. On they there.
1: still recommend them, but I tell you what,
2: they'd not put some weight on the trees. <laughs> but um, American pillar would be lovely, actually. What would colours? The, what, oh. colours the, what colours the? What colours your lilac?
13: It's a pale mauve, not All a right, special one. A pale mauve. And your mm. American pillar,
2: um, with a sort of white. It it's is, has yeah, so, got a slight touch of cream in it. Yeah, isn't so that will come a bit later on. So you've got some nice. Yeah. You've extended the season of interest there. Good oak. Well done.
13: Right, all that would okay. do for
2: planting is come out about a foot and a half from the tree, Eight and you're going to have to be quite carefully where you dig, uh, and then try and direct the roots away from where the tree is, but it's all possible. I was going to suggest something else, actually. If it wasn't going to be a rose, you could put a clematis up it.
13: Well, yes, yes. Yeah, we've got a few clematis climbing through one or two other bushes. There you are. Yeah, you're ahead. I fancied an American
1: pillar. Yeah, it's nice Go for (coughs) it. Pardon, go for it. Give it a go. Thank you
13: so much. Thanks for the enthusiasm.
1: That's right. Uh, Good good to hear from you, Christine in Benfleet. Uh, Patricia Hull has asked, while we're talking about that sort of thing, is, hi, Ken, wonder if you can tell me what I'm doing wrong. I have three roses that I have in pots. I think I'm overfeeding them. Last year, they were very, very tall, but not a lot of flower. So this year, not sure what to do. Can you advise me? Well, what she's not saying, Where is Patricia, it? doesn't say whether. And it doesn't say what she's feeding them with. Do you see the problem? Yeah. I... And is the pot big enough? That's true. So it could be all sorts of things. Right. A rose needs a reasonably good amount of light and air and sunlight. Yes? Yes. So you don't put them in heavy shade because they will grow up green and not flower as much. So that's the first one, wouldn't it? If you fed them too much nitrogen, what would they do?
2: Uh, you, you would still get some flower, really. She's um, saying a bit of flower, yeah. but not a lot. I think mean, you want to use a general purpose feed, so or a very specific ones for roses, top rose best feed out there. It is. Um, so that's
1: the real thing. Yeah.
2: But the, I reckon it might be that it's too, not so much the pot, I think it's, it might be too shady. So it's got to go in the, the, the sunniest spot you that's can right. possibly find. And then think about the pot. The pot needs to be at least two inches. foot by two foot.
1: Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, Two by two.
2: And using something like a John Innes number three.
1: Yeah. So hopefully that will help you, uh, Pat Hull. I'm sure you're listening. Thank you very much, Pat. ...for your email.
0: Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex.
1: We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly... ...but let's take a final look at the top tips Tom has for this week.
2: Well, another thing to look at is actually planting. It's still really, really good to to, to plant, whether it's ornamentals... Or fruit, and I've been planting a lot of fruit um, this week. Raspberries. Well, cane fruit, yeah, like raspberries or things like strawberries. But for me, it's tree fruit at the moment. I've been putting in uh, a number of apples, uh, Fiesta, Gala and James Greve. And I've bought them as bare-rooted plants. James Greve, still my favourite. And it's a lovely one because it's almost, well, it is sort of self-fertile. So it means you don't really have to have another pollinator as well, which is good. So I've planted them, I've inspected the roots lovely and clean. I've I've created a lovely planting hole. I've made sure it's right it's at the correct depth. i put a cane across the hole, measure up to where it was in the in the in the field, where the nursery mark is, planted it, firmed it in place after I've also put a stake in. Uh stake quite it. close. And i that put, gets the roots firm in before the top, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. So I've got the stake in, it's nice loosely tied, plants firmed in place, and once that's firmed, done, I tighten up the tie. And what I'll do then is because we're in, we're coming into the spring. Good general purpose feed like um, I don't know Vitex Q4 or Growmore. Yeah. Uh, Thirty-five to fifty grams a square meter. Scatter that around, lightly prick it over, and then follow it with a lovely mulch of well-rotted organic uh, matter. And if it's raining that day, brilliant. But if it's not going to rain, Give it a good water, water the whole thing in. Very
1: yeah. important to water in, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So planting's one thing, but also formative pruning. Yeah. So this is a good time to also think about shaping the plant. I go for an open, sh- open bush-type plant. So where I've just bought this plant, it's got a leader. It's got four or five good well-spaced branches. I remove the leader to just in Make front of branch. the top-most br- branch, and I get a goblet-shaped uh, plant for that year. And it takes me about three or four years to develop it.
1: So it's all about planting and pruning, then? Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Let's get straight back to your gardening questions now.
0: Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Let's go
1: back to the phones and talk to Margaret in Broomfield. Hello, Margaret.
4: Hello, Ken and Tom. I sowed straw beans in October in the greenhouse, about 10 to an 8-inch pot, and because of the spurts of warmth, they've got very leggy, (laughs) so they're about 20 inches tall and flop over the pot, but the side shoots coming out, is the best thing to cut off the leggy growth? Yeah, or the pi- side shoots um, produce stronger shoots? Yeah, you, well you can pinch out the top anyway, uh, that
2: will cause even more side shooting, but if you've, even if you think those side shoots are leggy, pinch those out and they're still, they'll, they'll put enough growth on to then support a multi-headed, fruited plant right but, yeah, this is the problem because it's, it's, it's it was you did you did everything right it then, then it, went then it then it went warm and it's no, gone, it's cold, gone cold, cold and warm again, so it's yeah it's difficult, isn't it really um so that's all I think you can do at the moment um
4: right, but so um it, we better cut off the top a little bit so that it's not so floppy
2: yeah, so I take off uh how tall are they at the moment how high
4: twelve Lost. inches.
1: Twelve inches—that
2: inches, is high, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Soft and flat. Take about take about a quarter off. Okay. Just pinch them off. About not pinch actually, but uh, cut off, uh, leaving yeah. a leaf.
4: Yeah. And so then, I should get more broad beans to the plant. Well, tonight. you should get
2: more shooting and therefore more pods. The pods might yeah. be slightly smaller, uh, but oh. you will get a good yield from those. Nothing
1: like a nice broad mm. bean. Which 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 broad bean have you grown, Margaret?
4: Aquidulce. Oh, very yeah, good. Yeah, good
1: old favourite. It's yeah. a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. So let us know how it gets on, Margaret, can you? Yep,
4: yeah,
13: we'll do it then. Okay. OK.
1: Thank you for your call. That's Margaret in Broomfield growing leggy raw beans at the moment and hopes to have a crop. You can give us a call now on 0300 200 40 There's a line free at the moment. We can squeeze you in before midday. Tom Cole from University College, Riddle over the road. Well, it's just up the road. It's just down the road, isn't it? Just down the road. Your local college. Your local college. Right. Now, here we have another one. We were talking about patio cleaning, weren't we? Gets people going, this one. Good morning, both. You are discussing cleaning patios. I got lawn, weed, and feed on my decorative stepping stones. They now have orange stains. I wonder whether that was lawn, feed, weed, and muscular.
2: Oh, it might have been, actually, yes. That's what it sounds like, yeah. with an
1: orange...
2: And it's killed off the moss, and that's it. It's,
1: and it stains, because it's got iron. It's got iron in it. It's got iron in it. Uh, can we recommend anything to remove it? I did try patio cleaner. Thank you, Linda in Dovercourt. <laughs> and I've never found anything that cleans it at all. No. Because it, it goes into the stone, doesn't it? It's iron. I've made that mistake even in a customer's garden, actually. I've tried to clean moss, moss off a side, using... An iron product and ended up staining it, which was a bit unfortunate. Luckily, it was only an old bit of paving; didn't matter. But it is a problem, isn't it? You've got to watch iron. Yeah, because it gets
2: ingrained in the in the in the surface.
1: So there's nothing
2: that we can. You think can of. wash and jet off, jet off as much as you possibly could, but it's still going to be a little it's, bit there. It's still
1: going to be there. I suppose if you've got pest stepping stones <clears throat> through a lawn, it's easy to just go over the whole thing, it isn't is? it? Yeah, and then stain it. So yeah. Right, let's uh, just go back to the phones. Hillary in Thorpe Bay. Hello, Hillary.
4: Hello. Um, I've got a couple of blueberries that it will be... Um, I've had them for two years. They mm-hmm. fruited absolutely brilliantly last year. Um, I have taken off the top two inches of the soil. They're in tubs and um, replaced it with fresh ericaceous compost. Do I need to feed them as well?
2: The fresh, ericaceous commerce will have some feed in it. What I would probably do towards the end of this month, going into April, is use a good. Liquid-based uh, feed about maxi crop something like that. Yeah, uh, I mean you could use a general purpose. You don't have to use an acidifying feed, but a general-purpose no. feed would be fine.
4: Need, I don't need sequestrian or anything no. like that. The
2: only reason you would use sequestrian is if you felt uh, the leaves, the youngest leaves, we'll were going yellowish, Shouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, and the fact you've just top-dressed with eric, you should be fine on that. But give it a good uh, liquid feed. I've used tomato feed actually on blueberries. Have you? Yeah. yeah. When do you prune them, a- Tom? You can prune from now and into April because they
1: sometimes produce these long leggy pieces yeah, yeah. that don't produce fruit at the top
2: at all do no they? you can shorten so I, shorten sure. long shoots and side shoots because it flowers on last year's season and secondary growth this year
4: right okay so i you you would recommend i mean they're about i suppose two and a half feet tall the longest oh, shoot know. so you would recommend that i prune those
2: um just, just go back to when did you get them
4: um, last year was their second year. They didn't fruit oh, very much three first years. year, Might so not need last it, year was brilliant. I had loads of them off yeah. two plants.
2: Yeah, I think because it's now fruiting on a fair on on a very well on that second year. Some people leave the pruning literally for two or three years, but if you had a lot of fruit last year, I think it'd be wise to it just do be. some shaping, light right. shaping of the plant, and okay. maybe thinning out if there was any thicker stems. But I think hearing what you're saying. Don't do that don't thinning overdoing. really for another couple of years, but it's just light right. pruning for the moment.
4: Just light pruning, yeah. and when when you say light pruning, what about take about six inches or so off the? Um, propos- well, so not,
2: a... not as much as that really. I think probably half that.
4: Okay, all right. Thanks very much indeed for your help. That's okay. That's
1: a pressure. Nothing okay. like blueberries, are there, Jim? You, you grow blueberries, don't you?
2: In pots, yeah. They need five pH, five point five to six. Mm. Very acidic, sort
1: It is, isn't it? Very acidic, indeed. To think that that's another crop. It's interesting, isn't it? How crops that we talk about that we always used to import. I mean, blueberries were always imported, weren't they? No, hardly anybody grew blueberries in the UK, did they? No. And they mainly came from America, didn't they? We used to buy them in from America, and uh, you know, we we might look at. Um, uh, I wonder whether anybody's actually farms them. Do people farm blueberries now? I do you think?
2: No, I don't think. In- this country. You could
1: do that, couldn't you, in theory?
2: You you need the consistency of that soil, yeah, definitely. but you could in
1: certain areas of the country. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely, definitely do it. Yeah.
2: So there's a thought
1: for people. It's you quite think, a hardy plant. It is, isn't it? It's a tough old thing. goes lovely autumn colour as well. Anyway, uh, just to let you know, make sure people check their ponds for frog spawn. I've put mine in the greenhouse in a bucket until weather improves. You shouldn't do that, should you? shouldn't need to do that. You shouldn't. No. It appeared this morning. Thank you for your time. That's uh, Kimberly Haylock. Kimberly, I'm I'm not sure that you've actually done the right thing for that um, frog spawn. I believe that I would... I'm not a pond expert, and I don't think Tommy's either. No. But I don't believe that that's necessary. I believe nature can sort itself out and does quite well without that problem, without helping it, do you? You could do more harm than good, could you? You could. So, yeah. if anybody knows different, tell me. 0300 200 40 That's the number to call to uh, give us a call if you want to quickly get a call in to ask us about anything gardening. Right. Hi. This says, Hi Dave. Uh, it's not Dave Monk. Dave was on the other week. Uh, anyway. Tom and Ken. Last year my lawns became smothered with clover. And a tiny creeping yellow flower. Now you know what that one is, don't you? Oxalis. Oxalis. It must be, mustn't it? With mm. the yellow, tiny little leaf. How do I get rid of these? And this is John in Basildon. Wants to get rid of clover and
2: oxalis.
1: With difficulty, I'm going to stay first. Would you say?
2: Yeah, it's a creeping matted plant, but it's also got a. It's got gaps between its leaves, so chemicals can sometimes just pass through so it doesn't get absorbed. And if anything, you need a product that's got at least 3 active ingredients uh, to help control That, that would be a
1: liquid, I think, rather than a granule, would you say?
2: Better as a liquid, I think. Um so you want ones that have got they're called hormonal weed killers or selective weed killers. So they like su- th- Yeah, so they either suppress growth or or encourage growth. Um so you can use that within your you can once the plants in active growth, we can start applying those products. But that will go some way to control it. You may not control it straight away. It's going to take a few applications. Now,
1: something I used to do that is not recommended. <clears throat> Am I allowed to say things that aren't recommended? Yes. You can of say I what I like. Yes, I can say what I like. People, <laughs> people, You can damage the lawn a little bit with it. You can burn it. But what I used to always do, you know, no, it comes back, comes back. Um, what I used to do is with a spring rake, rake at the oxalis and the clover, you rake it up, and then you just cut it quite high, you cut it off, and you expose a lot more stem. Mm-hmm. Then you apply the weed killer. Now the danger is that you've exposed the grass as well. You've cut the stems of the grass as well, haven't you? Yeah. And of course, when you apply then a liquid wee killer, you can damage the grass to a certain degree. You won't kill it. Because
2: what it. does it say on the back of the liquid?
1: Never put it on when you've just cut exactly. the grass. Exactly. But it does help you get rid of clover and oxalis easier. Not to be recommended.
2: <laughs> Shall I just say, Ken Crowther does that, but it's not to be recommended. So what you need <laughs> is a product containing at least three ingredients <laughs> and just follow the instructions very carefully. Well, but you are right in actually raking through. Raking through helps, does But now be wary if you've got lawn moss, because you do not want to do that. You don't want to be spreading around spread those it. spores. So if it's a lawn that's just got those two weeds in, and you'll be very lucky if you just got those two in, then rake and rake and rake, and you're right, it lifts up the plant, and then cut it, and then come back in about four days' time, then apply your chemical. And before uh, before
1: I move in, I'd just like to remind people that um, those of you who pop out to football this afternoon, that football matches at Braintree Town, Tilbury Town, Brentwood Town, Averley and Whittam Town are all off, Haybridge Swifts match against Cheshunt is on, and we're waiting for a pitch inspection at Concord Rangers. Yes, there is a little bit of snow coming in, and uh, it's it's going to affect it's going to affect us uh, possibly. Uh, A a bit today, but I think a lot of it has moved away from our area and is going much farther to the west of London. So with a bit of luck, we gardeners can get out there and do a bit more gardening. I know you've been very busy in the garden, Tom, haven't you? I have been pruning, potting up. Have you started cutting your grasses yet? Oh, they're all down. You've cut them right down. All down. How low do you cut your grasses I leave about
2: an inch from the base and I just use shears. Use shears. Shears, or just grab a whole load of one hand and use my second ears to it cut goes, the rest. If it's, it's brown, to... cut it down. Is that if it's expression? green, leave, leave alone. Can... There's another <laughs> phrase in there somewhere, but, you know. Oh, three hundred, two
1: hundred, forty, forty-one. 300 200 you can get a call in very quickly. We can answer that call as well. I hope Pat Hull got her answer. We answered Jane Lester's email as well about her patio cleaning. It is the time of the year to get out. It's interesting, you've cleaned your patio, isn't it?
2: Well, I did it yesterday. It was a lovely day. It was. I should also be pruning other things. I've got a couple of climbing roses I should have sorted out, but I haven't. I haven't Why do not? That. I just got carried away with the patio. And I was moving the pots, and guess what I found in some of those pots? Vine Weevil? Yep, the larvae are there. So how do <clears> you... <throat> go, I know you're not
1: supposed to put the compost in the, in, the recyc- in the recycle bin, really, yeah. are you? So how do you get rid
2: of it? You haven't got chickens, have you? Uh, you can. I'd spread them out on. If I just collect up as many as as I've got, as combined, yeah, just yeah. put them on a bird table. Birds will eat those. Yeah. Do you think that's enough? What? To Don't kid- you chuck all the soil away? Soil, I sprinkle it. I put it over. in... I've got an old bed at the back of the garden. Ooh. I put it down there. There's no. There's no vine You're sure? in it. You're yeah, absolutely. You sure? Absolutely. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I think we? I might have to use, I'm going to use one of those nematode biological controls when it's, little, when it's a little bit warmer to you cover can't, all pots.
1: Yeah, temperature has to be quite high for that. Five
2: degrees.
1: Uh, Jeffrey in Woodford just quickly asks, um, he's pruned his roses, they started shooting,
2: are they going to be hurt by today's weather? No, no, it's a hardy plant. As long as that growth hasn't happened just in the last few days then the growth will be fine. But if it has happened in the last few days, you might get some brown tipping on the ends. Just leave them alone. Don't be tempted to prune them back to another bud.
1: It's as simple as that. Mm. Do not worry.
0: The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.
1: Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave... You can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash
0: bbc Essex. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.